Season 2, Episode 23 of the Faith Over Breakfast Podcast. And I am Eric Seaman from the Village Church, and I'm sitting across from Andy Littleton of Mission Church. And we just did a Bible reading. Yep, Bible reading podcast. So enjoy, and uh, thanks for joining us. And I hear in the not-so-distant future we're going to have very official intro. Watch out. Brace yourself. Eric, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. You've got coffee, and I want to make an announcement on Faith Over Breakfast. Oh, really? I have started drinking coffee again, and today is my first day. I decided I'm going to do it, see how it goes. What changed? Yeah. I think I'm just ready. I'm ready for a new commitment. You're ready for more stomach problems. Uh, well, you know, uh, my stomach has been good for a while, and I didn't really... It had been getting good when I stopped coffee. Uh, so um, so, so and I thought I was, the coffee might push me over the edge. Uh, so I'm going to give it a try if it doesn't work. You're thinking maybe it wasn't the coffee after all. Uh, it probably was adding. There's the acid. There's yeah. acid, yeah. yeah. You know, and I just... Uh, I'm going to give it a shot. Well, I miss coffee. It missed you? Yeah, here I am. I'm drinking. <laughs> it told me. I spent a lot of time with it, with coffee. You and it, it was telling me that I missed you. Right. I feel like the entire coffee economy was damaged by me not drinking it. So. Oh, yeah. There's been a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody's blaming Trump for, for stuff, but it was, it was actually you. you it was me. the whole right. economy. <laughs> and um, I decided to make coffee good again. Great. You, yeah, yeah, you made coffee great again. Yes. Well, good job. I, uh, yeah, I, you didn't have a meeting, so the heater's been on in here, which is really nice. Yes. Um, we should put a little timer on that. That'd be cool. You know, I was thinking that, especially uh, since this is not, it's, we have an oil-based heater, right? It's kind of a radiator heater. Yeah, it's like this This heater's a radiator. So yeah. it doesn't flip the, the breaker. Like sometimes yeah. if you get one of those little heaters, that yeah. you can easily override things, yeah. This thing's nice and silent, mm-hmm. which is great in here. It's not this whirring sound, so that's good. But uh, but thanks for turning the heater on. I, I came from breakfast, um, so I've got my coffee. and um, so I think we may need to change the name of our podcast. To Faith After Breakfast. Faith After Breakfast. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> might be a little late. Yeah, I think season 2, episode 23, aren't we? Yes, we are, which we'll say so, later. Yeah, so we're... Um, Okay, we, we batted around a couple topics, um, and of course, our premise, as many of you have heard, is that we aren't prepared. We are we're two pastors, we've got our differences, we've got our similarities, we're sitting down just to talk. So Yeah, we enjoy talking to each other. We do. And we, uh, it stretches us. And we, yeah, it stretches us, and, and it's, just, uh, it's just fun to do. We were yep. once on a radio show, we would have breakfast before, kind of enjoyed the breakfast, and so when the radio show ended, we... Decided, why not record the breakfast and then we quit having breakfast? And, and, and now we have like a and now we have coffee studio. And now we have and with it's, like uh, a board. I mean, we're we're just inching inching towards having more legitimacy. than you and me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Maybe even being able to get everything posted on Tuesdays and sent out. Again, right. uh, yeah, this is the morning I want to shop. Okay. Is it? Yeah. No. Why not? I don't know. Just jumped out of bed. And it's one of those days. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to get you and all this equipment because I know that your secret desire from your whole life is to be known as a guy with 
equipment. Your guy with equipment. Oh, yeah. We don't even go there. Let's let's go to your subjects, uh, thing, uh, things we want to talk about. And I know maybe this is motivated by things that are happening at your church because you guys do a little thing about how to read the Bible or you and, and Pastor Nick kind of. Yeah, we did last night. Yeah. This is a new a new thing is we're doing this. Uh, we're doing eight sessions a year called Groundwork, which are just engaging with the very simple questions that like aren't always as simple. Sure. But but the, the basic questions that people have, like, and we're kind of approaching it from the standpoint of how do we, you know, how do we read the Bible and then letting people ask questions and have a dialogue. So, yeah, sounds really fun. Yeah. So we did, we did last night on how to read the Bible. The first one was just, what is the gospel? We'll talk about prayer, sharing your faith, very, the things that are considered the kind of basics. Ah, so, so it's not just like, how do I sit down and open my Bible, but here are some things the Bible offers and explains to us. Well, it went, it, I mean, you, you don't really know when you're allowing people to yes, throw questions. in. Yeah, so it, sure. it, it, you know, the two sessions we've had, the first one on the gospel somehow ended up in like in times theory. Oh, wow. Surprising. I w- would never have guessed that sure. somebody, you know, but that, that's, yeah, that happens. So right. we, yeah, we had that discussion yesterday. So you, you wrote on your little uh, text to me, you said how Bible reading looks in your life and how you engage with the devil. Those are two <laughs> interesting things. And I wrote, or how to deal with anxiety and fear, inerrancy, and how it ruins Bible reading problems I had with the last podcast. So those are kind of things that we pushed back and forth to talk about. Yeah, and I wasn't necessarily suggesting we do both of those things. I was thinking <laughs> you could pick one, but now you've just put them all out there. So yeah, well, that's, at least that's people know much. what you and I are, are thinking about. And yeah. Kicking back and forth. So let's talk about Bible reading. Yeah, what does like that look when, like? When you ask life? that question, you're asking, like, what? how do I, as uh, Eric Seepin, read the Bible? Like what am I thinking? What am I? Well, I mean, if you approach? read the Bible as anyone else, that's fine yes. to talk about. That's that's a whole other. I don't know if you have multiple personalities. Yeah, it's a, I read the Bible as a different person. Yeah. Well, uh, no, yeah, I just well, sim- for simple. One, what is it? I when because you, I'm a pastor. Part of my job is to both exhort and teach people from Scripture. Right? Yeah. What do you mean by exhort? Well, encourage, help them move towards Jesus, get them. Um, Excited about Jesus to exhort someone is to give yeah. them courage yeah. Yeah. for something. So, yeah. Uh, so some people. So when I started early in ministry, like what I was taught was that as a pastor, I both had a had to have a personal reading of scripture, like that it was me, me and God special time, and it had nothing to do with the church. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, I had to have a reading on which was maybe more academic or geared right. towards my community to teach them and exhort them or encourage, give them courage. We'll, we'll keep it simple. Uh, <laughs> I have found after 17 years that that's not true. Yeah. Like I have one reading of scripture yeah. um, because I believe in a more holistic way of reading like that. Like I, in my reading of scripture, I'm not separate somehow from yeah. my community, my friends. And in that, even that I'm not separate from the people who don't know Jesus. Like I'm reading for all of us, and I hope, and I would expect my whole congregation to be reading for all of us. Right. Um, but when it comes to reading scripture, I obviously have some interesting thoughts on it. So I'll start with. Well, here, here this is what I wanted: is just let's forget thoughts and 
theories. Well, that's how I operate. For a second. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So for me personally, like I, yes, I do enjoy reading the scripture alone. Mm-hmm. I find it really uh, enjoyable. But I believe that this reading of scripture is maybe in its most powerful place when it's being read in a group. Yeah. I have heard more from God and in more powerful ways when his scripture, literally sitting with people while they open the scripture and read it out loud before anybody's told me anything, Mm -hmm. just the power of the words flowing over me, God has spoken. Whereas when I've read that text alone, even in prayerful thought, I have not heard so clearly the voice of God. Um, And so that's a powerful thing, like public reading of scripture, read scripture with with just a few friends, like, there's something about the passage of where two or three are gathered, there I am. And the inspired words of God and the spirit in you, like, there's something, like, those two things combined together is a powerful way. So I enjoy reading scripture together, a church that I think that reads scripture together, not just on Sunday, um, but but as that being part of their rhythms, that when they get together, there's scripture reading is a, a much more focused community and a one that hears the voice of God to go back to our last podcast sure. more clearly and have a clear understanding of how to hear the voice of God. So I really get excited when I get to read scripture with people. Yeah, That's that's one way I enjoy reading scripture. It's part of the reason I like going through books at church. And so if we hit a topical theme, I feel after maybe four weeks in a topical theme, like, oh my gosh, I need to go swimming in scripture with my people in yeah. a systematic, like in a narrative way, like what we're telling yeah. the story. Do you have any, I mean, I'm just curious about like how that's worked out in the last month or so. Like what, like kind of hearing that voice of God in your community's reading of the scripture, like what are some things you've heard? Well, well that's so, and, and so like some of that becomes the one, when we do preach through a book, I do kind of, limit all of my scripture reading to the context of that book. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I'm reading outside in the Gospels, like for instance, we're in the book of Daniel, if I'm reading outside of the Gospel, outside of uh, Daniel, like I'm going to be reading in the context of that. Like where is Daniel pointing me in the Gospels? Then I'm going to be opening that up. So as we've read Daniel as a community, um, what has what God has said to me, and it obviously has come out of my sermons, but what I've heard sitting under other people as they teach, and as I listen to the words being read, is I just keep hearing God inviting me to step through doors that he's presented in front of me instead of trying to think forward to what, planning out my life about all, being strategic about things, but instead being available to what God is doing in front of us, as I watch Daniel do that over and over again. So that's that's been interesting. I think one of the more powerful ones of recent where it's been a communal reading is actually with my family Yeah, when we went through the book of James together. Yeah. And so uh, what we would do is we would go and spend an hour alone with James Yeah. in the chapter. And then we'd come together, the four of us, and we'd read it out loud. And then we'd talk about it and, and kind of discuss what we've heard. And it's crazy just as we discuss and as you listen to the words being read over you, that like what God was telling our family at the time. Um, and, and how, you know, you read, I've read James a hundred times. Yeah. 
And I read it again, and I'm like, oh, wow. Like, there's just a series. Like, I think when I read James, like, the last time I read James, like, what I was hearing is, like, what we're doing as a mission and as a people is serious. Like we, this is not a joke. Um, Can you share any of those insights? Like from your, I mean, I know some of that might be more, maybe, I don't know. Is, is any of that shareable? Uh, well, there, there are two things because I think James stuck out in two ways, both in the communal reading in our church. And then like a year later that in my family's reading. Uh, so the first one was that in the book of James, it seems that he in some ways is like a, a butler of sorts. And yeah. he, he wrote the uh, um, kind of a the HR book for Christianity. Like, you have a question? Like, he, his, he has, I forget how many commands, and there's over a hundred and some odd yeah. instructions in James. And so that, that was really, like, actually very reassuring to me. That like, here's James saying, like, look, like, you know, you have a question here. Well, section two, <laughs> paragraph three, we will address address oh. that. Uh, I think the um, for our family, especially in chapter one, the whole way that perseverance works its way out yeah. in, in in that chapter uh, was important. Is particularly when when you begin, like at the time, like both my kids uh, were in secular schools. And when you begin to try to understand the worldviews that are being placed and how you're asking God questions about life, yeah. the, the, the more you're anchored to him, the less double-minded you become, less, you know, you feel like you're on a boat being tossed back and forth. So those, those would be, um, that would be the, the most, you know, it's not the most recent, but those are two definite ones that are yeah, I think the one that's been really powerful I have that is just uh, I don't know if this is a communal reading but it has become a communal reading of scripture and it's a powerful act that I've done before but I, I didn't do this so Kevin Samets has been on our show before Yeah, uh, his father goes to our church and what he did and what he does he has written his own translation of the whole first john so all first john yeah and he's making his way through the gospel of john yeah this is kevin's dad yeah, kevin's dad and he gave me oh if i found out and i got a copy of it i read it and it was just so powerful like he has a gift like god has given him a gift to really take this this text and bring it to light in some really powerful ways is this like a like a translation from the Greek or like a paraphrase or it's both. Yeah. Because he's not a Greek scholar. He, I don't think he would be one to say it's a translation from the Greek, but what he has done is kind of begun to write it in his own words with the backing of the research of really trying to look at yeah. what the word is trying to say in the Greek and then how he might express it in a, in a more, in a way that you and I might engage with a little bit more. And I was so blown away. I gave it to my, to my, leadership team and said this is a meditation that you just need to read through this and think it through and and it's created some conversations yeah because he has some phrases of talking about walking with jesus in the light or in the beginning of first john when he when john is talking about how close they were to jesus the way he expresses that he says something like seeing his facial expressions like we saw how he smiled we saw how he frowned we we saw all that 
And that kind of blew me away. Like, I never really thought about it's all these mannerisms that John is like, so like, because when you talked about the word of life and having seen and heard, touched yeah, and heard. touched, yeah, like it was, so that was really powerful. So, but see, I see that as reading in community as, as like we're all sort of bringing a voice to, to scripture for each other. And, and um, are there any voices that you'd say no to? <laughs> you mean in community? Like in the sense of, I mean, maybe, maybe your community is kind of, well, like maybe your community is a safe space. Well, I think I think again, like I would go back to it's beautiful that he interp- translated that, and he was trying very hard yeah. to stay true to the text. Uh, no, that sounds like I'm thinking of our small group or something, and somebody going, you know, what that means like right. you would have seen his smile, and we I love those times, and you go, whoa, that's I didn't think about it that way, right? Right. Um, but like, could there be any voice? Right. Well, I think. Yes, I, I think it's always that I, I know I talked about reading scripture in group and then you're giving input. Sometimes the input actually becomes the point of reading scripture. And I actually don't think that's it. I think more importantly, as you are listening to scripture being read out loud over you, like being sensitive to the spirit inside of you to be processing the words that are being said. Because as I said last week, the authoritative community member in the church is the scripture inspired by God's word. So, yes, all these voices are nice, but the voice to listen to is the actual words being read over you. But as you... But again, reading scripture is hard because you have to interpret, right? You have to... I mean, you you are interpreting as you listen. Oh, yeah. And of course we always are. I was... So how do you read scripture? I was uh, reading... I'm nearing the end of the book, Awaiting the King which is a James K. Smith book on public theology and politics, if you will. Sure. Uh, It's a dense book. Um, It's one of those ones from like, I don't think I've digested this book. Um, But one thing he does in the last chapter is he kind of foresees critiques of his book. He talks about all these people who are shaped by the church who've done terrible things. He talks about Rwanda and the churches full of corpses and how, you know, the, you know, folks who were shaped by the word, um, or so it seems, right. Went out and, and slaughtered one another. And, uh, and he talks about, um, it gets pretty specific about the slave ships and the role of the word. Um, and he, you know, is kind of getting at that, there's nothing more dangerous in a way saying than a liturgical community shaped around the word twisted. Yes. Um, and so, you know, it, it just made me think, and I don't, I don't, I'm not coming to this table as we've stated with having worked this all out, sure. but um, you know, it, it was like, man, you know, there is a, the trouble like in the slave trade, for not the all the only trouble, but a piece of the trouble was that a the values of that culture, Western thought, you could call it, you know, imperialism or what I don't, you know, there there are a number of words you could put over it, um, were assumed upon the Bible, and then the Bible was used 
to justify, you know, in that case, terrible things. Other right. times there's, you know, it, it could justify things that don't look nearly as drastic. But, um, yeah, I just read that last night at like 10 like right. after I texted you. So I, <laughs> it wasn't like sure. this, this didn't come from that. But I read it and went, yeah, that kind of concerns me. I don't know that I can guard or fix or make sure that never happens. But I, you know, I read that and went, there is an awful lot of responsibility when you approach the Bible. Yes. So, you know, so when do you say no? Well, actually, so here's how I think uh, we should approach it. And I mean, I'm not a, look, I'm not going to qualify myself. I, I think this is how we should which approach it. Jesus answers a question with this answer, you know, like he sums up all of the law and the prophets and everything, you know, with the two commandments, to love God with everything and to love your neighbor. And what he's saying is at the core of reading scripture, at the core of all that God has given us is love. Paul emphasizes like, you know, all the gifts, everything you do, you can be right without love. It's meaningless. Yeah. So, that has to be the, the lens with which you read all scripture, is that it's bathed in love. I think if you then go and look at the Old Testament and the, and the fullness of the gospel, uh, so, for instance, the beginning, if you start with, say, the Ten Commandments and the law that's laid out, that's kind of like learning, if you think about language, it's like learning the ABCs. Right? You're learning right. the ABCs. Um, but... Then the rest of the Bible, well, the rest of the Old Testament, in some ways, is people saying, "Well, that's not how you like. That's not how you use that word that way." Or you, you can't. So the laws are like, "Oh, you if you might be doing this in action, but your heart's not in it." So you're doing all these right. sacrifices. You have all these prophets kind of right. teaching the class, but you don't. But in some ways, you're not interacting. Like, so when you learn a language, you learn the ABCs, you learn the basic words, you learn structures. Like you can write it. You become literate in the language. Right. But the only way you become fluent is when you actually have a native speaker and you begin to talk back and forth with that person and you learn all different nuances and, and idioms and how things are said. And I think Jesus is the one who brings the fluency, right? Because Jesus becomes the person who is all of the law and the prophets embodied. Sure. And his love. So like, when we read scripture, in some ways, and like you guys maybe were saying last night, like you can't read scripture outside of Jesus. Like Jesus is the lens, and then in some ways, the person that you have to bring along with you in anything that you're reading in the New Testament. So you have to have an understanding of Jesus, yeah. which comes in some ways from scripture. Yes, I get. Yeah, I mean, you have to have a, a good, strong knowledge of what it looks like to love. Yeah, because I, I was just going to say, like, there's the word love, and then, but, you know, we could go pull people on the street, and you'd get all sorts of different answers, like, when does love mean that you you say no? And when does love mean that you do something on somebody's behalf that they don't want? I mean, I, I know from, you know, just knowing you and the type of situations you've engaged in and Sure. Watching you take phone calls that you say no a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot to people, and they don't like it. Sure, um, sometimes, and and uh, so there's, and and that is getting informed, I would assume, by your convictions that are often shaped by the Bible, right? You know, so it's so the word love, 
and you know, somebody might be like, if you loved me, you wouldn't bother me. Right. And you might say, no, I am bothering you because I love you. Right. Uh, so, so love must be defined. That's right. First yeah. John three sixteen. Right. right. We know what love is by watching Christ who laid his life down for us. And we should be and, the same. And didn't always tell us what we wanted to hear. Right. And so a, on and so forth. Sacrificial love. Right. But there's so much of trying to understand Jesus. I guess my thing about reading the Bible is I, I believe that we should be like drenched in it. We should be reading it all the time. But I don't think, I, I think it's funny when we do these Bible Bible reading things, because if you don't have a good understanding of the Gospels, I don't think you should be reading Leviticus. Sure. I don't think you should be reading the Old Testament. Don't don't read the Old Testament until you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you know them well. And maybe you've read the second chapter of Ephesians over and over again. So you have this context of the church. You know who Jesus is. You have something, and you can begin to read the Old Testament with a little better understanding of what's going on and what's happening and what all of it's pointing to and, and, and get a better contextualization of things because. Yeah. It's an inter- We're in an interesting position now. I mean, of course with the nation of Israel, God, I would say, um, tutored them or prepared them with things like the book of Le- Leviticus yes. uh, for Christ and was, you know, laying foundations for Christ but here we are, having seen Christ, um, you know, what would it be like? I don't know what it would be like. I, I can't, I can hardly imagine what it would be like to arrive at the Bible cold without any knowledge of Christ. There are people who could, and I don't know what that would be like um, to just read. I don't think you could start with Leviticus. You you might be able to start with creation. Sure. Yeah. But it starts getting pretty wacky pretty quick, and and in the sense of not under it's an ancient text, and then, right. and it's all over the place. I mean, it's beautiful, and and God shows up all over the place in it, um, and it's about God. But well, I think it's very wacky for us. I mean, I don't know what it'd be like for a sure. like a primitive tribe. They might read it and go, "Oh, our creation account is quite similar," and "Oh, we have to appease the gods too." I see what this is saying, Certainly. and then Jesus might show up, and they go. Now what? You know, right? No, I, I agree that right. that a more primitive person would understand the, the storytelling styles and all of that. Maybe better than us. But as yeah. a modern person reading it, sure, it is pretty wacky. It's oh, hard. Okay. It's hard to digest some of the, the the darkness, some of the murder, some of the. Well, I'm trying to think through for this Sunday the idea of being cleansed by the blood in, from First John. Yes, and you know, like trying to recognize that I've been around church long enough that I, I that fits for me, but it absolutely would not. Right. If I, I mean, even if I'd come up in certain church circles, this idea is just, it's quite odd, you know, out of context. It's quite odd. Yes. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with you. I I think one of the problems that, and this is what I, I texted you back and said, how inerrancy is ruining the Bible. I actually believe in inerrancy. I mean, I don't want to go down the the route of like intent of authors and all that kind of stuff. I think inerrancy is a no longer an issue in the sense in the postmodern age. I think the thing that that is now the apologetic is the love of Christ, and and that freely offered. I mean, we get into that. But the reason I think inerrancy is an issue is we've begun to read the Bible 
as a science having the authority. And so when science has oh, the sure. authority, you're starting to read the Bible and you're going like, oh, well, well, right now science says that this didn't happen here. And now we're in question, we're questioning what we're reading because what we said is science has the right to say, well, these are all the events that happened and, and the Bible contradicts that and that never happened. And you're like, well, you must one, be talking about more like Genesis one or something. You go Genesis one, you could go things in, in Daniel, you can go events within David's life, like, you know, archaeology hasn't caught up, or it, it's saying something different, or, you know... Or it can't validate something that's supposed to be miraculous. Right, or, yeah. yeah, or there's there seems to be some contradiction in, in, in First Chronicles and, you know, Second uh, First Kings, like, there, there are contradictions between the narratives. Uh, we're Because we're using a, a, a critical kind of a modernist way of reading the text. We're not reading the text no. for a relationship. Not, nor the way that ancient people did. Right. And so what happens is we, I think that's when we pull the spirit out because what happens is we over critical, criticize, we, we over uh, analyze the text. Not like I'm saying, oh, you should have an ignorant reading of scripture, but I'm saying, no, what questions are we actually asking of this text? Am I asking for it to be a factual historical book in which I am learning about the history of the Israelites. Um, is that the major question? Is that the primary right. thing I'm asking to read of this text? And so what happens, you know, and it was good because back in the, what, what, the turn of the last century, or I don't know how, somewhere in the, you know, the 20th century, we're, we're talking about all of these different defenses and apologetics based on the inerrancy of Scripture and, the, and sure. you know, like the Princeton events and I forget right. the other one. But and I mean I don't know about you, but I do. I am grateful that these texts are actual historical texts. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would be personally very troubled if I were in the boat of like Mormonism, in which all scholarship says this is not an ancient text. That would be a problem to me. Yes. Um, so I'm glad that they are. But even even last night with our at our meeting, I was. Uh, what I hope I came across clearly with this was trying to warn against missing the forest for the trees in Bible study or reading where you're, you know, getting so interested in rabbit trails and figuring out stuff or validating a historical event that you don't know what the letter of first John is saying. Uh, Cause the letter of first John, when it arrived, the, the people in, you know, the Roman province of Asia, you know, didn't sit down with it and start, you know, like picking apart verse one, they didn't have a verse one. They had a letter from their friend, John, and they read the whole thing out loud probably several times. Oh, probably almost Um, every meeting they had. Yeah. (laughs) Along. And they, chances are they read the creation account too. um, Sure. And a lot and some other, but they just read them and they, I think they probably remembered a lot more than we do. Uh, because of the nature of their time and their culture, oh, practice telling it to and they, each other. And but they told it, and they and it, the concern. I, I think this is fairly established. Wasn't with getting every word technically accurate, um, but the the concern was telling the story. And I, I think they most likely cared that it was, you know, consistent. Sure. But they but you but you're right. It was getting it in their head and telling the story. And you can see in the New Testament where Old Testament verses were quoted from memory, um, but they weren't like spot on Right. You know, like we would well, copy they, and paste. They did not copy right, and paste. Well because, you know, uh when John's writing or in particular Matthew was because he has a lot of quotes. 
Matthew's not sitting with a Septuagint next to him going, no. oh, like, where's this in the Septuagint? He's rolling out his, you know, Valentine and, and, and trying to it find exactly it. Right. Yeah. No, he has, he's, it's yep. been told to him and told yep. to him, and he's got it in his head. And he's like, oh, yeah, that verse. And he writes yeah. it down. And he writes it down wrong. And he wrote a few that we don't know where he got them. And in our modern mind, that's like, you know, if somebody quoted something and you didn't know where the source was, that would just invalidate their whole book. Right. Um, but in the ancient mind, that did not at all, actually. You know, it was the consistency of the story that tied in with the old story and, and stuff right. like that was was of much more important. And so a lot of we're, we're trying to validate historical things on our terms alone. Right. Um, and you just can't. Um, and we're trying to, yeah, read things with modern eyes. It's, and we have to realize that, you know, we're kind of flawed and, and our, our way of, of approaching it, you know, and even the, the critical study where you, pick apart every word and get every sentence structure right. Could you could miss like John's intent of the book of first John. You could miss it. You can. And, and you often sort of And do. I and I make the argument that certainly we all, if you're a reader and you have the capacity to at times at least be able to look up original words and read some yeah. other experts sort of language experts breakdown of those words, that's a good thing. Yeah, I am. I am not anti, and I hope, like, also at our event last night, I said there have been some times where a study of a word or a sentence structure has really illuminated the meaning of a text that that I've been very, very grateful for. Um, and but I don't think that's the only way. Yeah, to read your Bible or that. Or well, and, I actually think it's very dangerous yeah, because I, be. I want to go back to. I think, and, and this is what's trying to transform my reading of Scripture, um, is that being fluent in the gospel, in a, in, a, in a holistic gospel, so not a gospel that where we're getting what I would say theological gospel in the sense of coming up with, like, here's the right chronology of, of salvation. Sure. Here's You're talking here's, systematic theology. Right, here's systematic. Sure. Uh, here's the metaphors that explain yeah. it. Yeah. I think when I talk about being fluent, like being able to talk and converse about Jesus's story and, and, and understand and have something more than an intellectual like um, experience of what Jesus did on the cross to fully understand the freedom that comes out of the resurrection and the hope right. and the cross and resurrection to have a sense that here, here's an interesting thing about here what I think about fluency of the gospel. And this is this is kind of theological, but I, it's not just that God took on our very nature. He took on our very, and this is the nurture, in the sense that he understands. When he, when it says right. he understands our struggle, internally, he had to walk around, I suspect, well, people said, well, there's that bastard son of Mary. Because sure. it, it never says he's Joseph's son. It always right. says he's Mary's son. It was known that Joseph took, this was a special case. So he had to deal with all the same things you yeah. and I do internally. It's not like Jesus didn't have any lies appearing in his head For about sure. his own self-identity and all that kind of stuff. So he, when it says he sympathizes, he lived in a broken world. Yeah. And he understood the weight of brokenness and the weight of suffering. He just didn't have to deal, well, he, he didn't have to deal with the shame and guilt of 
committing a sin and then having to repent of it. Like that part was not the thing of sin that he actually bore. He bore the other things that we right. have in this broken world. That's a powerful thing when you pick up the Bible and begin to look at a special word. Yeah. If you're not looking through at it through those, like through the weight of oh, that. Sure. And I think of your own identity in Christ, like of being a priest and being a brother of Christ or sister of Christ and, and being, you know, uh, a child of God. Like these are, these are powerful things um, in understanding what the gospel is. And if you if you if you don't have that, you can get caught up in accuracy, rightness, um, and, and become more, a more clobberer of other people instead of an inviter into something that's great and grand. Which the scriptures show us for sure, the most knowledgeable people in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, um, I mean, Jesus accuses of damaging, putting un, you know, unjustified burdens on the backs of people right. using the scriptures. Right. So um, the fact that you're a good, you're good at studying the Bible doesn't, doesn't mean that, you know, that you've met Christ in the scriptures. Right? So let me ask you a question since I've been babbling about reading scripture. How do you read scripture? Like, what do you, when do you come at it? What is sort of like the thing that like makes you feel alive Oh man, depends. Um, you know, I, I shared the other night that I've I've moved toward reading books and sometimes over and over, a lot of times with our community. So we're because we're in First John. I'm not trying to read the whole Bible this year. Um, I've done it before, and I don't think it's in like it doesn't. It's not a bad. Thing. It's not a bad thing. God but uses it. but to just kind of feel like that's what you have to do every year. I don't, I don't feel that way anymore because I think what I do when I do that is I miss a lot of the, the beauty of like one book and sitting in it for a while. So I've been trying to read through like the book of first John and in a sitting from time to time. And then sometimes to kind of slow down over a certain section, especially the one that we're going to be talking about this week. Cause I, I think our folks would like me to be steeped in it and uh, going through Ezra in our small group. So I, you know, spending some time there. Um, but every once in a while, I think what I really love is when something, you know, in that process. So, so the other day, um, you know, thinking about humility and I was kind of, I was like, this is a really big theme in, in the Bible. And I was reading through some of Jesus's words and James's on humility and seeing oh, these are very worded, very similar. Oh, look, you know, Isaiah, I kind of looked up some cross-references at that point. Oh, Isaiah worded it very similar. Did he coin this or, you know, oh, it's a proverb too. And it's worded very similar and sure. Um, and kind of just running after a thought like that and, and going, well, did the proverb get it? Like where did, where did, you know, the writer of the proverb, did he coin this or, or was he pulling from somewhere else and, um, that's just fun for me. I, I, I find it very, very interesting and fun to see the ways that, you know, that something came to us and, and it's not always that I, I got, you know, like the idea of salt and light, uh, in the sermon on the Mount, I, I had a lot of fun learning about, you know, I, I decided at one point when I studied that to just kind of like 
I had assumptions from what I'd been taught about it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to attempt to put them sorry. away. And if I were just reading this without having been told that salt's a preservative, you know, what, what would I come away with? If I just, if I had to just go think about what's salt and, and there were some really interesting, you know, possible insights that came from that. And, and then I had fun going and reading what other people had done and there. So that stuff for me is very that's not everybody. That's partly just my mind yes. and how it works, but that that's fun. Um, but that doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes you just read the book of first John and, and just go, okay. I mean, I, I think I often forget that, you know, first John has a goal of warning against, you know, hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, I don't love talking about hypocrisy, so I don't tend to go think about that. So sometimes yeah. it's good for me to, have to think about it yeah and i got that from just reading straight through just reading it like a letter and just going you know without unpacking everything about what light or darkness means you know what's this letter just talking about and so and it and there are numerous nuances that come through when you do that so i don't know that's it's a little bit of it i think it's time to wrap up though believe it or not i know it's nine ten. Oh my gosh! Uh-huh. So anyway, thanks. Oh, hey, uh, thanks for for you, and I, I want to add something. Oh, okay. No, I should add. Like, I thought it'd be cool to add. Uh, you know, we used to at the beginning, and we, you know, you kind of nixed it, so it's done now. But uh, we used to have our favorite res- restaurants or whatever. Uh-huh. I thought it'd be really cool, just a quick, you know, say either like just not every week, but like, hey, this is what I'm reading because people are interested in things that we read yeah. um, it's common i know on podcasts to do it but we have a unique i think we're a little different than most people and what we're probably reading and what we're in know. the bible or books in the books actual books yeah. outside of the bible i'm reading waiting the king yeah you said that that yeah. was uh that was, that's a heavy book it's it's dense it's dense it's interesting but very dense how about you well, you know, because I am, diff- it's difficult for me. I'm such a visual person uh, that I don't remember books by their titles. Yeah, I remember books by their covers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you you do judge books by their covers. I do judge a book by its cover. But the book I'm yeah, reading right yeah. now is, and this may sound funny, but it's Cognitive Behavioral Therapy: <laughs> Seven Ways to Freedom from Anxiety, Depression, and Intrusive Thoughts. That actually doesn't sound funny at all. Yeah. But funny that that would be. But I'm reading. not surprised that you're <laughs> reading that. Yeah, it's a really good book. But good. Yeah. Uh, now we can end. Yeah. <laughs> see you next week. Yeah. See you next week. All right. Go read that book that Eric's reading. Yes, you should. If you read want to. Yes. Uh, know that it's not a, a book, a Christian book. So it's got some things you have to. Nor is it funny. Nor is it funny.